The year's final Grand Slam is underway in Flushing Meadows. Players who have had great seasons are looking to keep it going, while for others, this is a final shot at redemption after a disappointing year. Today in New York, Novak Djokovic regained his number one station, proving that he is one of the peerless athletes of our time. And Coco Goff earned her first ever win in Arthur Ashe Stadium at night, under the gaze of Billie Jean King and Barack Obama. Trips Tennis Talk welcomes you to our coverage of the 2023 United States Open Tennis Championships. All right, everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis, U.S. Open, Day One Reaction Edition. So I'm sitting here 10.07 p.m. West Coast now. That means it's 1.07 a.m. East Coast. They wrapped up maybe 20 minutes ago with Novak Djokovic's win. And let's uh, start with that. And then I will work my way backwards. So Novak Djokovic gets a win over Alexander Muller today. The match itself was a complete non-factor. The big takeaway here is Djokovic's return to the number one ranking. So let's cover the news item of that first, and then I'll give you my larger context reactions. So... With his first-round victory today, Novak Djokovic does go back to number one. Regardless of what happens the rest of the tournament, he cannot be caught. If Carlos Alcaraz wins the U.S. Open and Novak Djokovic loses in the second round, Djokovic would still be number one after the tournament. Looking at the actual ranking, right now Alcaraz has 98-15. And that includes the 2,000 he got from last year. So because he won it last year, he cannot gain points. He can only lose points. So his maximum number after the U.S. Open would be 98.15, which it is right now. And Djokovic's number is 97.95. So that's a difference of 20, right? Yeah. And... Uh, for a first-round victory, you get 45 points. And Djokovic did not play the U.S. Open last year, so any points he earns this year he gets, gets added onto his ranking. So 97.95 plus 45, that gets you to 98.40, and Alcaraz's max number is 98.15. So by a very slim margin... Djokovic is your number one. It's going to be an interesting race to the end of the season with this one. I don't know if this is necessarily definitive because they've been switching the number one ranking back and forth several times this year. Between them have Alcaraz and Djokovic. It is much more difficult after the U.S. Open to change atop the rankings usually because the top players don't play as much. There are more important tournaments coming, but making being number one at the end of the U.S. Open traditionally is definitely a statement, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but it feels like that holds up most of the time. 
Um, but this year could be an exception. But let's take a look at the race rankings right now, which is different than what I just said. So in the race, Alcaraz has more of a lead. His lead in the race is a margin of 475 points right now. That is a relatively close number, considering that we're at a Grand Slam where both guys are expected to do well. That number should definitely be re revisited in two weeks' time. But for Alcaraz, he'll have plenty of time to be number one later. So this is more about Djokovic to me. He's a great athlete, like I said in the introduction. It's incredible how little we talk about Djokovic's age. He's 36 years and three months approximately right now. And he's just become number one in the world again. It won't take effect until September 11th, but we can say he's the number one elect. But he's 36 years old, and he is without peer. He's the best player in the world. There's no one better than him at this moment in time. And that just shows his greatness. And it also shows the Cincinnati final was a big swing, right? That was a 400-point swing times two. So that was an 800-point swing in the favor of Djokovic. If, uh, if Alcaraz wins the match point that he had in Cincinnati, are we having this discussion right now? No, we're not. And the occasion of Djokovic getting the number one ranking tonight was very unusual. It was after midnight. Technically, he, uh, he got the number one ranking on August 29th, not August 28th, which is the day the match was scheduled for. It was the 29th. And there was very few people in the stadium compared to how many the stadium can hold in Arthur Ashe Stadium there in New York. And it was a very subdued vibe. The match was not dramatic at all. So it was a low drama, never in doubt, lowly attended match in the middle of the night that got Djokovic back to number one in the world. It's very odd. And just sitting here, it makes me think of in 2008, when Nadal was becoming number one, the big shift that really portended that was the Wimbledon final, the epic drag-down knockout junkyard dog match that Rafa won. But after that, Federer was still officially number one for another month or two. The actual switch happened at Cincinnati in 08. And it was in, like, the fourth round or something, and Federer lost to somebody. I think it was maybe Nicholas Lapenti, maybe? I'm not going to check that since I want to keep it moving. But this is kind of that level of number one switch. It's pretty rare to have that, but that's what we had tonight. So Djokovic is moving on. Before this match started, there was an equal pay ceremony what it started at 10 30 10 45 at night between night session matches they had michelle obama come out and give a speech the usta did the usta had billy jean king give a speech about equal prize money 50 years ago started at the 1973 us open 
It was nice to see the Obamas in the house. I don't think they ever came when they were in the White House. Um, in 2015, Serena was going for the Grand Slam, and I can't remember if the Obamas came for that or not. My sense is they didn't. Trump came. I actually remember that. In 2015, when Trump was a candidate, he attended the U.S. Open. So, um, hey, the USTA brought Michelle Obama in tonight. That's why I'm mentioning all these names. So if they bring the politics into it, it gives me license to mention it. The speech was fine. Um, but as you can tell with the tone of my voice, I think they put the speech on in a very weird place. Not in the middle of the night, but it was getting towards late night between matches. It's just very odd. You'd think they would put it in the opening ceremonies block that they usually have on the first night of the U.S. Open night session. But they before the women's match and not after and not before a men's match to have this uh, presentation. But, uh, whatever. Before that, Coco Goff got her first night session win. She played Laura Siegmund. And she had to come back from a set down to complete it. The last couple of sets were not truly, truly in doubt. The second set was an easy one for Goff, even though there was a... 23, 25, 26-minute game in there. On the scoreboard, it was no problem. And the the third set, Goff got up 5-1, had to serve it out twice, eventually got it done 6-4. She definitely wobbled at the end there, so there was a little bit of doubt, but it wasn't like she was in a losing position at that point. She always had the lead. Even though the lead shrunk, she never gave up that lead. So yeah, the golf match definitely had some fireworks in it about uh, time violations. Siegmund got called for a time violation twice, I think. The second time, she got a point penalty for being too slow. At various points, both players complained to the umpire. So that was definitely interesting. There was definitely aggro in that match, but... Coco Goff comes from a set down to win it. And this was her fourth appearance on Arthur Ashe for a night session, and this was her first victory. So a shout-out to Scott Van Pelt of ESPN for that stat. So now let's do some score reading. Definitely a feature of the early Grand Slam podcasts here. So... Here we go. I will stop and offer comments on anything that I deem relevant. Number one seed, Iga Sviantek dismissed Rebecca Peterson, 6-love, 6-1, in 58 minutes. That is your typical Sviantek domination performance. That's when she's at her absolute best. Goff got that win 3-6, 6-2, 6-4 in 2 hours, 51 minutes. That's pretty long for a match that didn't go to five all in any set. Number 18, Victoria Azarenka beat Fiona Farrow, 6-1, 6-2. Azarenka's never won here, but she's won twice in Australia. In one of the matches of the, matches of the day, Beatriz Adad-Maya beat Sloane Stevens 
the former winner, 6-2-5-7-6-4 in 2 hours 57 minutes. Carolyn Wozniacki rolled back the years. She played very well and looked very happy in a win over Prozorova, 6-3-6-2. The 2009 finalist is into the second round here. I was wrong about Wozniacki. I didn't think she would even win one match, honestly. I thought this could be an aborted comeback attempt. Um, one that never got off the ground, never winning a match. And she's won two of them now in the last month. I was wrong about Carolyn Wozniacki. And even if she loses comfortably in the next round, I was still wrong. Danielle Collins beat Fravitova, 6-2, 6-love. Linda Fravitova. Rabakina got an easy win over Marta Kostiak, 6-2, 6-1. Rybakina has not had the best summer post-Wimbledon, so an easy win, just what the doctor ordered. Yuvan beat the number 29 seed Koshiretto, 6-2-7-5. Tom Lanovich, making her season debut here in August, beat uh, Udvardi, 3-6-6-2-6-4. Taylor Townsend got a good win over Gracheva, 6-4, 6-2. Jen Brady beat Burrell, 6-3, Magdalena Freck beat Navarro, 7-6, Mertens beat Bjorklund, 3 6 in 3 hours and 14 minutes. That was a match tiebreak in the final set there, 10-3. So the U.S. Open used to do a regular tiebreak in the final set, but just as a reminder, the final set tiebreak at the U.S. Open now is to 10 points. Benchich beat Rakamova, 6-2, 6-4. Base Tormo beat Kalanina, 6-4, 7-5. Miyazaki beat Batova, 6-3, 6-3. Mira Andreva beat Gadecki, 1-6, 6-3, 6-4. Zhu beat Sharif, 6-3-7-5. Kalinskaya beat Siniakova, 6-4-6-2. Para beat the number 16 seed Kudamatova, 7-5-6-4. Here's how much Kudamat- here's how much impact Veronica Kudamatova has had at the big tournaments this year as a top 20 player. That was it. Avanesen beat Cornet. 6-2-1-6-6-4. Wonder how much longer Cornet is going to go on. Daria Saville beat Nganaway. 6-love, six 6-2. Six Serana Kirstea, still going. Beat Kayla Day. 6-2-6-3. Carolina Mukova beat Storm Hunter. 6-4-6-love. Six Lauren Davis beat uh, Donka Kovinich. 6-2-6-2. Yelena Ostapenko beat Jasmine Paolini, 6-2-4-6-6-1. Magda Lynette beat Sasnovich, 6-3-6-1. And uh, both ex-Wang players got a win today over Volinets, 6-3-6-4, and over Horonkova, 4-6-6-3-7-6. 
Schmiedleva Bandel, 6'4", 3663. got a win over Buksha, 6176. And in one that we're going to stop and talk about here, Masarova beat uh, Maria Sakkari, 6'4", 6'4". I don't know the stats on this, but it feels like the two most named players on the podcast so far are Stefano Tsitsipas and Maria Sakkari, and they're both from Greece, and they both have a lot of S's, and I always stumble over that. I think from episode 1 to episode 75, they've been the two most referenced players, or the two players that have been in my head the most. Anyway, um, Sakkari's lost her last four Grand Slam matches, First round U.S. Open, first round Wimbledon, first round Roland Garros, and I think she made the third round at Australia, and, you know, she would have lost that one, so she's lost four matches and slams in a row. She's definitely having a crisis of confidence, I think, even though she's a top eight seed. At the big events, she is... Not only not being a, a non not contending, she's a complete non-factor. And during the match, she was complaining to the umpire that people in the park next to the tournament were smoking marijuana. That's something you do not see every day. And it's been a tough season for Zachary. Let's see where she is in the WTA race here. In the race. Isn't she like 50 or something? Uh, No. Let me see where she is. She's 13. Okay, so it's not as low as I thought. But, you know, 13 is lower than 8. And after her match, Maria Sakkari spoke to the press. And here is how a little bit of that went. You was 4-1 up. You told the umpire about the smell. What was that about in terms of the park? What, was there a smell out there that was bothering you? Yes, weed. It was some weed out there? Yeah. And from that moment on with how big she was hitting, you just felt that you, were, you had control in that moment. What happened for you after that moment? It wasn't the smell that affected the score in any way. I just, it was just a comment because it was smelling quite a lot. It has nothing to do with the match. But how she served that well, did you feel like she was like at the top 15 level and just play out of her mind in your in your perspective? Um, well, if I believe if you if I don't put pressure from my side, then it's expected, you know, that uh, the opponents are gonna play well because um, they're very good players and she's a very good player. She's a big girl. She serves well. Uh, yeah, she's. I mean, everyone plays well now nowadays. You were still hitting the ball big, at the very least, especially on the serve in the forehand. You just feel it was just those little moments of her playing well and just you still feel that confident going into the fall with how you're still hitting with depth in the court. I wouldn't say that I was playing well. If I, if I played at least, you know, uh, I would say 5 10% better, I would have won that match. And these are the matches that I have to win. Like, I cannot lose these matches. They've been, you know, too many for my level this year. And, yeah, it's unfortunate. Are you surprised? Obviously, the Grand Slams didn't go very well for you this year. Did you think you could turn it around here, or was the confidence maybe gone by now? I thought that I would, but I was wrong. Um, so, yeah, 
I just I have not much to say. I'm sorry. It, um, was that the first time you ever noticed that smell before? Nick Kyrgios complained last year about <coughs> how much it was bothering him, the weed. On, the, on that court? I don't remember. It was the same court, but it was... Well, yeah. I think it was, yeah. I, I don't know. It was smelling yesterday when I was practicing there. It was... It's irrelevant. It's it, sometimes it smells food. Sometimes it smells cigarettes. Sometimes it smells weed. I mean, it's something that we cannot control because we're in an open space. There is a park behind. People can do whatever they want. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's nothing that we can control. Obviously, the noise is something you're used to. Is smell different than noise? Is it harder to? We have your. All right. I think we get the picture there. Um, let's move on to the men's results from today. Francis Tiafo got a nice win over Tien, T-I-E-N, 6-2-7-5-6-1. Last year's semifinalist is uh, picked by some, myself included, to repeat that result. So based on recent form, we would need a reversal of that. And today is a nice first step toward doing that. Um, I've got Tiafo's press conference queued up, actually. So two in a row. I want to stop and uh, listen to the always entertaining Francis Tiafo. I thought it was pretty good overall. Um, obviously, first round, never opened up on Arthur Ashe before. So that was an honor in itself. Obviously, it's a testament to how I've been playing and obviously with the run last year. So... It's fun, and obviously playing someone you don't know is so young, and they're coming after you. So ultimately, ultimately good. I mean, I would like to hopefully uh, take take uh, as many chances as I had today. I mean, when you're 8 for 25 on break points, that's, that's not too good. But um, ultimately, done is great, so that's all that matters. Great. Thank you. Congratulations. Richard. Richard Osborne from USOpen.org. Hey, Francis. I uh, wanted to ask you, uh, you know, first it was Isner announcing his retirement, now Jack Sock. I just wanted to ask you about those guys and sort of what that, that group meant to you. And, yeah, I heard that a little bit before. Obviously, the world knew about it, but oh, uh, it's crazy, man. Um, you know, grew up watching John, obviously. Um, you know, watching him play the Leg Mason back in the day, we used to be called in D.C. and him just come out party and and how solid he was. He was a hell of a player for so many years. You know, top 20 a lot of his career, winning 250s for fun. Um, he was a great leader for American tennis. No. And Jack obviously had a great, great career. You know, the last couple of years he really struggled. It was tough. And um, I'm happy um, he's being able to wash his hands with it and, and being okay with it. You know, we get along with both those guys really well, especially Jack. So happy to, happy he's, he's moving on and he's happy, ultimately. Ultimate. Hey Francis, uh, congrats. Uh, I saw the video with Kevin Garnett, um, and I know player, other players joke about it, but you've obviously had a massive impact, and those the way people come and come I mean, to I see you. That was a video, bro. <laughs> I need, I need to see that. But, uh, has it surprised you at, at all, like the the impact you've had and the amount of people who are coming to see you and want to see you? Yeah, cool. Want to see me? Want to meet me? It's cool. Um, something that's super humbling. Obviously, you know, big tickets, a legend. So. I uh, seeing him was super cool. Um, sent me a funny, funny voice note for a tournament, so uh, it's cool that he's able to come out here. But I mean, yeah, it just it's again, you know, diversity of sport, you know, speaks volumes. Obviously, um, it has people that tune into the game that usually wouldn't, and he's one of them, and many others. And 
but you know I got to keep winning so they stay interested uh, and obviously I want to uh, I want to impact a lot of people of color to to want to pursue the game of tennis. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, big shoes fill, but you know, it's a great seat to be in. All right, that was a little bit of what Francis Tiafo had to say today. Taylor Fritz beat a very undercooked Steve Johnson, six two six one six two. I'm going to be nice to Steve Johnson here and give him a quick and painless death. Uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas got a win over Milos Raonic, 6-2, Listen, he had never won a set against Raonic. They had played a couple of times. All the podcasters played that up in all the preview pods. Oh, this could be a challenging first round. Tsitsipas was down 6-love, 5-love to Daniel Elahi Galan last year. If you knew about tennis, you you knew this was coming. So I didn't really mention it leading up to this. Might have been the match of the day, but Tsitsipas winning in three straight sets, really not that un, really not that crazy. It was quite likely to happen, and it did. Dominic Team, big win, beat number twenty-five seed Alexander Bublik. Six three six two six four. On the Bublik side, he called team disabled during the match. The quote was something like, I can't believe I'm letting all these disabled players continue their careers, as in allow them to get victories on the tour. It could have been a lost in translation thing because he's not English first as a language. On the other hand, all these players have media training they know how to speak English. They know what's happening. Alexander Bublik should be fined for his gross and disgusting ableism. And I'll leave it at that. But Dominic Team, first Grand Slam win in 2.5 years anywhere, and first Grand Slam win at the U.S. Open since he won it in 2020. Let's hear it from Dom. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a very good match um, from basically from the first moment on. Um, <clears throat> it's a pretty special victory because of uh, it's it's the first since two and a, two and a half years on on Grand Slams. Um, I think I don't know six or seven Grand Slams without a match win, so it's it's great and uh, especially here at the U.S. Open with all the all the past and all the memories I have here. Okay, thank you. Questions? Willie in the back. Willie Weinbaum from ESPN, congratulations. Thank you. How would you describe your road from your championship here to this point today? Um, it's It was a, a very, very uh, good road for me, I would say, especially uh, personally, I was learning a lot, you know, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss anything in in this road, but um, obviously, tennis-wise or sports-wise, was not uh, was not easy all the time, and so that's why I'm even happier that I I got the win today, uh, first first win on Grand Slam since a while. Um, I, I had some good uh, previous weeks as well with the first finals. Um, 
after the injury. So it's it's feeling good, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one. Right here. Dan Walken, USA Today. Uh, Dominic, how would you describe the difference in what you feel on the court from the fans now because they know you know everything you've gone through compared to before the injury? Is it is it different at all, the reception that you know, the people who, who really want you to do well? Yeah, definitely, because um, I mean, I always got great support also before, but now <clears throat> um, I haven't uh, haven't played well the last uh, last two years. Also, last year when when I played here was was not that easy. But um, I think people the people are really appreciating the way um, the the comeback from the injury. I have the feeling that many people feel or or know that it's not easy coming back. And uh, also, um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm turning 30 soon, and people I think also like sometimes the, the more experienced players or the players who are on tour since a, since a long time who, who made some great memories and some great matches on, on the biggest tournaments. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy about the support. All right, that's a little bit of what Dominic team had to say. Now let's get through the rest of the scores here. Chris Eubanks finally got another win. Beat Kwan today, 6-3, 6-4, love 6, 6-4. Sarundalo beat Ivashka, 2-6, 6-7, 6-3, 6-3. Gaston beat Shimabakuro, 6-2, 6-1, Roberto Carbeas Baina beat Holger Runa, 6-3, 6-4, 6-3, 6-2. Before the tournament, everyone knew if Djokovic got in the Runa half, it'd be very easy for Djokovic. Runa's, Runa's the four seed. And, uh, you know, the, the stat on Runa was he hasn't won a match since Wimbledon, and that's still the stat. And after 14 hours of the tournament, Djokovic's draw, which was already very easy, has gotten even easier. Put that man in the final. Mackenzie McDonald beat a tail-spinning Felix Auger Aliasim, 7-6-4-6-6-1-6-4. Mensik beat Barrer, 6-4-4-6-7-6-6-2. Borna Goyo beat Hugo Delian, 6-3-6-3-6-1. The other Sarundalo beat Zvaida, 5-7-6-4-6-4-6-3. Ben Bonzi beat Canton Halley, 5-7-6-4-6-4-6-4. Offner beat Borgs, 7-6-3-6-7-6-6-4. Borgs is one of those guys that you think is going to have a run, but never does, at least to this point. Yuri Vesley beat Quacode, 5-7-6-3-6-2-3-6-6-4. Adrian Manorino, Bill, beat Watanuki. Seven five six seven six three seven five in three hours thirty five minutes. Like, let's stop and talk about that for a second. Um, Adrian Manorino in the race. He's number. He is number twenty eight. Like that's pretty high for a guy as low personality as Adrian Manorino. 
like, and he's seeded 22, like, he's kind of high-ranked right now. So maybe we have to start paying attention to Adrian Manorino, even if he hates ball kids. That was one for Matt Zemek. Aslan Karatsev beat Yuri Lehechka 6-3, 6-3, 6-3. Ben Shelton beat Pedro Kachin 1-6, 6-3, 6-2, 6-4. Juan Veralas beat Miamir Kekmanovic 1-6, 7-5, 7-5, 6-4. Alejandro Davidovich Fokina beat Giron 6-4, 6-4, 6-2. Martin Fucevic ripped his muscles afterwards when he beat Seb Korda, 7-6-4-6-7-6-4-6-6-4 in 4 hours and 26 minutes. Korda, very bad year for a guy that was very highly touted back in January. Laszlo Jera beat Nakashima, 7-5-6-4-6-4. Zapata Mirlales beat Quinn, 6-4-6-4-6-3. Zhang beat J.J. Wolf, 4 hours 20... Excuse me. 4 hours 29. 7-5-7-5-6-7-4-6-6-3. Droget? D-R-O-G-U-E-T. Never heard of him. Beat a top 18... <sighs> beat a... Uh, a top 18 seed, Lorenzo Musetti, 6'3", love 6, 6'7", 6'3", 6'2". That's two men's winners today that got bageled and still won. That's pretty rare. Um, Fabian Marijan, who's beaten Carlos Alcaraz this, se- this season, beat Richard Gasquet, 6'3", 6'1", 6'7", 6'7", 6'2". <coughs> Um, Stricker beat Popperin 6-3-6-4-3-6-6-3 Hijikata beat Kotov 7-5-5-7-6-3-7-5 Sefulin beat Kachinato 6-4-6-2-6-love Kasper Ruud beat Emilio Nava 7-6-3-6-6-4-7-6 And Tommy Paul beat Travaglia 6-2-6-3-4-6-6-1 And that is what happened at the U.S. Open on Monday. Let's take a look at the schedule for Tuesday, August 29th. First round action. Uh, I'm going to go backwards here. Outside courts. This is court 4 and below, not counting court 17. It says Kay Nishikori is on the schedule here, but didn't he withdraw? He should be replaced by a lucky loser. Um, Carolyn Garcia is on court 5. Andre Rublev is also on court five. Daria Kestkina is out there. Dimitrov. Uh, Podopova. Hubert Herkoc. Talon Greekspor. Cameron Nori. Um, Alex Damonar is on court 11. Barbora Krejcikova is on court 13. And now here are your show courts. Court 17. 11 a.m. Eastern start. Alexander Zverev versus Alexander Vukic, followed by Marketa Vondrosheva versus Nalai Han. Then Elena Svitolina versus Annalina Fridsam, 6 p.m. Eastern, 
Taro Daniel versus Gael Monfils. Grandstand Court, 11 a.m. Eastern start, Ekaterina Alexandrova versus Leila Fernandez. Andy Murray versus Corenton Mute. Stan Vavrenka versus Yoshihito Nishioka. 5 p.m. East, Anna Bogdan versus Sophia Kennan. Louis Armstrong Stadium, 11 a.m. Eastern start, Anz Jabor versus Camilla Osorio. Followed by Madison Keys versus Arancha Rus, and then John Isner versus Facundo Diaz Acosta. Arthur Ashe Stadium, 12 o'clock start. Number one, first up, Daniil Medvedev versus Attila Blaz. Followed by Jessica Pagula versus Camila Georgi. And here's your four night matches 7 p.m. start. Arthur Ashe Stadium, Venus Ebony Star Williams versus Greet Minin. And on Armstrong, Yannick Sinner versus Yannick Hoffman. I think a guy named Yannick is going to win that one. And your nightcap matches on, on Louis Armstrong, Arena Sabalenka versus Marina. Arena Sabalenka versus Marina Zanevska. And last on Arthur Ashe. Dominic Kupfer versus the kid, Carlos Alcaraz. Coverage gets underway on the ESPN networks tomorrow. And tomorrow is a two-channel day. Actually, I'm going to get official confirmation of that before I get out of here. Stalin, while that's getting pulled up. It was definitely a nice... Grand Slam day today. Um, Okay, so this is Tuesday, August 29th. Coverage starts on ESPN at noon. So if you want want to watch at 11 a.m., you have to do it on the app or with ESPN+. Cable ESPN comes on at 12 Eastern. And at 7 p.m., starting at 7, ESPN has Arthur Ashe Stadium. And ESPN2 has Louis Armstrong Stadium. So again, for the night session tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern, ESPN at 7 has Venus and then Alcaraz. And then ESPN2 has Sinner and then Sabalenka. And those channels come on the air at 7 o'clock. And uh, that just about does it. So thanks for watching and listening and listening. This is mostly listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Trips Tennis Talk. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for making it to the end. And we'll do it again next time. Bye, everyone.